Welcome to the Pad the Stats podcast, your destination for everything fantasy football and where fantasy title hopes come true. And now your host, James Swanson. Just about everything that could have went right for the Texans offense on Thursday night did. And finally, it looks like Deshaun Watson has that unit back on track after a decisive 42-23 win over the visiting Miami Dolphins on Thursday Night Football. Hi everyone, I'm James Swanson. This is Pad the Stats, and this is your Everything Fantasy Football Podcast. And on this edition, we are going to cover that Dolphins-Texans game from Thursday night. I'm going to talk about my fallers, as promised, as a follow-up to my risers heading into Week 8. And of course, my starts of the week for this weekend slate of games. I'm going to give you a start of the week at each position. Quarterback, running back, tight end, um... Uh, quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, sorry, and defense. So let's get right into this thing. Um, as I mentioned, just about everything went right for the Texans Thursday. However, they didn't get get out of that game or come out of that game completely unscathed. We now know that Will Fuller does have a torn ACL in his knee. Uh, he is done for the year, and that's a big deal. Um, and that's where we're going to start here. Texans 42, Dolphins 23, and the biggest question now is where does the Will Fuller injury leave the Texans offense the rest of the 2018 season? Look, let's look at the numbers a little bit here. He's averaged the second most wide receiver snaps on the team at 79%, and that includes the game uh, versus the Colts in Week 4 where he only played 31% after leaving the second half with a hamstring injury. So that number actually took a hit a little bit. He's played in more when he's been uh, a more a bigger percentage of the snaps when he's been in games a little bit longer or played a full game I should say um, he was either first or second among team re- among team receiver targets in three of six games played this season he did not play in week one at New England week four at Indy when uh, as I mentioned he only played really the first half uh, he saw five targets in limited time there and the touchdown numbers right so Will Fuller we've talked about this in the past is is this this incredible touchdown ratio that he's had this in touch uh you know touchdown efficiency that he's had let's look at it a little bit he's caught four touchdowns in the season in basically six and a half games he now has 13 in just 31 games over 187 targets he has 13 touchdowns basically once every 14 targets will fuller catches a touchdown and basically once every eight receptions is a touchdown for will fuller and and that's including 2016 with brock osweiler um my least favorite person on the entire planet. No, not really, but I really hate I hate Brock Osweiler. Just cannot stand him. He's got that head and that face, and he's just uh can't stand that man. Uh, as a quarterback, at least, I'm sure he's a nice guy. Um, but if we throw out that 2016 Brock Osweiler year, he has one touchdown every eight targets. Will Fuller, that is, he has a touchdown once every five and a half receptions. So Will Fuller's impact on the Texans' offense is is very evident just by the numbers, by the snap count, by the usage, by the targets, by the touchdowns, if you just look at all of that, uh, you know, in as a whole. Um, so his usage and his impact on this offense um, is crucial. So who benefits the most? And that leads me to my second point talking about this game, and I think it's Kiki Kuti. Um, look, he, he didn't play in this game, or he, he, was, he was banged up, but let's talk about him a little bit. If you're not familiar with Kiki Kuti, 5'11", 180 pounds, uh, he's the fourth-round pick from Texas Tech this year. He had 90-plus receptions and nearly 1,400-plus yards with 10 touchdowns his junior year at Texas Tech. 
Weeks four through six this season, his rookie year, he out-targeted Will Fuller 28-11. to He has 30 targets in four games. So really, if you just look at it, a lot of a lot of what Will Fuller is going to leave on the table does fall to Kiki, and Sammy Coates is currently third on the depth chart, so that tells you everything, and as a Steelers fan, I can remember watching Sammy Coates back to his days in Pittsburgh, and I can tell you firsthand that he is not a great receiver. He's not polished. He doesn't run in a complete route tree. He is not a complete receiver by any means. He can take the top off the defense a little bit with that speed and size, but that was one of the biggest knocks on him coming out of Auburn, is, uh, it, you know, it's just not a complete receiver, and, and the hands don't show up all the time. So this is a position, Kiki Kuti is in a position to really have a huge workload moving forward behind DeAndre Hopkins. So I think rest of season, you can look at Kuti as, you know, as a, a wide receiver three with serious wide receiver two upside, um, especially if the offense builds off this performance last night. We saw the Texans in the first three games of the season. They started 0-3, and they were not very sharp. They could not get things going well. It looks like that train has turned around. They finally have uh, figured things out a little bit. Sean Watson is playing great. So Kiki Kuti, if you don't have him on your team, if he's still in a free agent, he is certainly uh, a guy that you need to go get that you know probably was... Um, you know, already on most teams, most rosters. But even if you're in a 10-team league, I still I still think he's somebody that, that needs to be rostered immediately. Um, talking about some guys that I would rather have him over at this point, I would rather have him over Allen Robinson. Uh, you know, we haven't seen a lot from Robinson so far this year, and we know he's banged up with that groin injury. I'd rather have Kiki Kuti over Chris Godwin, uh, John Brown, Sammy Watkins, Nelson Aguilar. I know that list seems kind of... You know, those are some guys that are performing well, especially Godwin. John Brown's really performing well in Baltimore. Sammy Watkins has had a bit of a bounce back year. But I think that this offense has a chance to be on the level of the Kansas City Chiefs. I really do. I don't know if they get quite there, but it's right on the border. It really is because we saw what Deshaun Watson did in seven games last year. And we saw what he did against the Dolphins on Thursday night. And we know what he's capable of. We've seen it. So if they can just get, keep things rolling, build off that performance, you have to look at the efficiency and the production of this offense. And Kiki Kuti's performance and his production is going to be, uh, you know, easily, uh, very closely correlated to that. So, um, yeah, I definitely like him again as a wide receiver three for right now with serious wide receiver two upside. Um, the one thing you need to keep an eye on, just keep an eye on that hamstring injury for him right now. But Again, I, he's going to benefit hugely from this. I think he'll be just fine. It's just a strain from what I've heard. Nothing too, too serious. Shouldn't keep him out too long. He might even be back uh, next week. The third point from this game, and we're going to keep on the Texans side of the football here. Can Deshaun Watson keep it rolling? I just mentioned the night he had 16 of 20, 239 yards, five touchdowns, 37 fantasy points. Before this game, he had just one game with 30-plus fantasy points. That was week four at Indy, which was an overtime game. Um, he was the QB 13 coming into this game on Thursday night. And if we take a look at the upcoming schedule at Denver, then the bye, then at Washington, Tennessee, the playoffs stack up, I think, pretty well. I think that, you know, the first two games, week 14 and 15, against the Colts at home, and then they go to the Jets. I think those are both plus matchups. And then they get Philly in week 16. Not great, because I do think that Philly defense is going to start playing better in the secondary against the pass once they figure things out. there's just I, I believe there's a lot of talent on that team. Um, so that could be a tough matchup. But 
Overall, you get two out of three plus matchups in the playoffs for Deshaun Watson. So if he's somebody who, look, if people dropped him, uh, which I think is a realistic, you know, thing to happen right now, he's been playing like a QB two and not really a QB one. Um, I think you have a decent schedule coming up. I don't think it's great, but I think it's okay. Um, look, I still think Deshaun Watson finishes inside the top eight this season among QB leaders. I know I, I just said he's QB 13 as of right now. Now, obviously, after this week, he's going to move up quite a bit. But I had him as my QB 8 going into the season. I had said all along I was just a little bit down on him. We'll see if he can make up for what you know happened the first seven weeks of the season where um, you know, he just was not that great. That offense was not chugging along like we saw with him last year. Uh, but I, I still think he can, you know, I think he can manage to find himself inside the top eight at the end of the season. And then let's talk about the running games from this game, both both on both sides of the ball, really. Miami and Houston. We'll start with Lamar Miller. Last two games, 40 carries, 233 yards, two touchdowns for Lamar Miller. His previous five games, 73 carries, 271 yards, 3.7 yards per carry, no touchdowns on the ground. And the schedule isn't impossible from here on out. Washington Week 11, Tennessee Week 12, Philly Week 16 are all top seven versus running backs. Other than that, um, you know, it's pretty favorable. So three of those games, not great, but the other half, not too bad either. Um, We'll see if he can build on this. Look, I still think that Lamar Miller is going to be what he has been his entire career, at least in Houston to this point, and that's a low-end RB2, maybe a, a, you know, a middle-of-the-road RB2. He's going to be fine, but he's not going to be... Um, look, I, I just don't see a two-game stretch like the one he's had now holding up through an entire season. I still prefer him slightly over Nick Chubb rest of the year, but give me on Johnson over Lamar Miller the rest of this season. And then let's look at Kenyon Drake and the Miami Dolphins running game. The last four games for Drake, 37 carries, 233 yards, 17 receptions, 142 yards, and four total touchdowns. So Kenyon Drake has come awake the last four games. He's been the running back eight in weeks five through seven in PPR. And this game alone should keep him right in that top eight conversation in that span. Um, The upcoming schedule, Jets at home, then at Green Bay, then the bye. The playoff schedule Patriots at home, at Minnesota, Jacksonville. None of those are great matchups. So at this point, look, I I know this is kind of crazy, and and with the the running back landscape the way it has been, maybe you don't want to sell high on Kenyon Drake because you want to hold on to him. But I think if you can get something in return, I would, look, I still would rather have uh, Nick Chubb rest of season. I would rather have on Johnson rest of season. So if, if, if those are some guys that you can, uh, you know, maybe maybe swap. I I think I would do it for sure. Um, just looking at that playoff schedule, I just I just don't love it. Um, I, I think it's going to be tough sledding for him down the stretch. And then finally, but definitely not last, uh, or, or last but not least, I should say, is is hello Devonte Parker coming alive. Nine targets, six catches, 134 yards. Now let's pump the brakes a little bit. He did have that catch for 46 yards that flew off Jakeen Grant's hands and somehow went right to Devontae Parker. Um, if you take that out, he has five catches for 88 yards, but still a good game. And, you know, with Kenny Stills out, um, you know, they're banged up at the receiver position right now. And, uh, Albert, you know, um, uh, Albert Wilson, sorry, having a little bit of brain fart there. Um, Albert, you know, Albert Wilson being out, and he's, he's they actually, you know, placed him on IR you know, if if the Miami Dolphins don't trade Demonte Parker, I I think this is a situation where you just need to keep an eye on. I'm not excited 
you know, to get him right now still. Um, I think you want to keep an eye on Kenny Stills and his status moving forward. Um, but but Devontae Parker's somebody that's that's sneaky. He could he could definitely creep into that, you know, that wide receiver three conversation. Um, let's see here. Okay, well that's I think that's about all I have from that Texans Dolphins game. So let's do this. Let's get into my week eight fallers. I already talked about my risers on last podcast the last podcast. I have three fallers for you this week. And number one is Matt Breida. A guy who I've been extremely high on all year. I own him in my 14-team most important league. He is most likely going to miss his first full game of the season this week. And Raheem Mostert, last two games, 19 carries, 146 yards, and a touchdown. He also saw four targets last week versus the Rams. He has a chance to make a statement this week and demand more touches even when Matt Breida is healthy. That's something you need to keep an eye on, and that's why Matt Breida is a faller for me this going into this week and the rest of the season because, again, I think Mostert has a chance to make a statement that even when Matt Breida is healthy, they're going to continue to keep him on the field because he's been so efficient so far. Um, so that's why Matt Breida, again, is my number one faller and, and something that, look, I'm not dropping Matt Breida. I'm not, he's still... A, a pretty good running back three for me. Um, but he was starting to make a statement as an RB2, and I don't know if he's quite in that conversation anymore. My number two faller, Naeem Hines. Let's look at his numbers weeks one through five. 35 targets in weeks one in the first five games. The last two weeks, excuse me, just five targets. 11 total touches last two games. Those are the two games to note that Marlon Mack has been back. 31 carries, 5 targets, the last two games for Marlon Mack since returning from injury. So this is a serious development in the Colts' backfield. You have to keep an eye on how they're going to use Marlon Mack moving forward and, and, and just how good he's been the last two games since his return. I don't see them taking him off the field. So what we thought was going to be maybe even like a low-end RB2 season for Naeem Hines in PPR leagues is shaping up more like a very, oh man, I he's more like an RB4 at this point, even in PPR leagues, maybe a low-end, very low-end RB3, but um, things have really kind of bottomed out for Naeem Hines. And then my number three faller, Corey Davis. What a disappointment in the, the Titans offense this year. I don't necessarily think it's all on Corey Davis, though I was not impressed with him last week um, on that uh, in that London game. I didn't think he was creating a ton of separation. He didn't look explosive to me, really. Um, but since having that 15 target game where he had nine catches, 161 yards and a touchdown versus Philly in week four, since then, get this three games, 17 targets, eight catches, 83 yards, disgusting yuck outside of that huge game. He hasn't topped 62 passing yards and hasn't scored a touchdown in any other game. He's currently wide receiver 41 in PPR. The big breakout that we were hoping for Corey Davis in year two does not look like it's going to happen, people. And a lot of this falls on Marcus Mariota in the passing game, uh, but this offense is just stagnant. Derrick Henry's been completely terrible. The offensive line has not been good. They haven't been healthy at times. Um, even when they got Taylor Lewan and Jack Conklin healthy, it's just a mess in Tennessee right now. Mike Brayville has his hands full. I know their record isn't terrible, uh, but this is not a good football team. Um, and Corey Davis is really taking a hit because of that. And finally, to end the show today, I'm going to give you my week eight starts of the week, and we're going to start at the quarterback position. And Russell Wilson is my quarterback start of the week, and I'm going to tell you why. 
I know it hasn't been a great year so far for the Seattle Seahawks, but things have started to come on lately for Russell Wilson, <clears throat> excuse me, Russell Wilson and the offense. The fact that they're getting Doug Baldwin healthy, the rest of the offense is getting a little healthier now that Chris Carson's back. He has six passing touchdowns in his last two games, Russell Wilson, that is. He threw just seven in his previous four games. He has yet to score a touchdown on the ground this season. I think this week at Detroit, I think he's going to find the end zone with his legs in this game. He had a career-high I think it was six rushes or four or six rushes last game. Um, I know it was a, or a season high, not a career high, sorry. Season high in rushes last game. I think he's going to find the end zone on his uh, with his feet this weekend. I think Russell Wilson's going to count for at least three touchdowns in this game, two through the air and one rushing. Um, the Lions defense itself is allowing two touchdowns per game through the air, and they have only two, tu- two interceptions all year as a unit. So this is a team that has not been opportunistic. They haven't been able to, to win the, the uh, turnover battle. They haven't been able to take the football away through the air. And I think Russell Wilson, who is a guy who doesn't normally turn the football over, this should be a safe game. I think it could be a high-scoring game, and I think Russell Wilson is going to have a big week. He's my quarterback start of the week. My running back start of the week, Philip Lindsay. Look, no Royce Freeman in this game. And the Chiefs have allowed 25-plus fantasy points to opposing running backs in four of seven games. If the Broncos don't get completely blown out, if it's not 21 nothing midway through the second quarter, if they can keep this thing tight, and I do think that they will, I think they'll hang around in this game in a division game that's a very big game that the Broncos, quite frankly, can't lose if they want to have a chance at the playoffs this year. I think they're going to hang around. I think with no Royce Freeman, that Philip Lindsay, even with Devontae Booker there, who's going to take take you know ten or twelve carries, I would imagine. But I still think that Royce, or I'm sorry, Philip Lindsay is going to have a major role in this game, and I think he's going to have a, a season high in catches in this game, maybe five or six catches, something like that. Um, Philip Lindsay is a is somebody that I am uh, again. I, I think he's going to have a big week in in what possibly could be another high scoring game. Let's look at my wide receiver start of the week, Brandon Cooks. Look, again, this comes down to an injury, much like Philip Lindsay with no Royce Freeman. The Rams don't have Cooper Cup again this week. The Packers are 29th in efficiency, according to Football Outsiders, versus number one receivers. So Brandon Cooks, look, he hasn't had a 100-yard game since week four. He is absolutely due. Brandon Cooks is going to have a big game here. I'm projecting seven or eight catches, 120 yards. I think he'll find the end zone. Brandon Cooks is my wide receiver start of the week. And at tight end, David Njoku, maybe the one of the hottest tight ends in the league so far right now. Um, since Baker Mayfield took over in week four against, um, or after that Jets game when he when he came in halfway through, and, and since he's been a starter, um, he's been targeted 35 times in those four games. So that's about you know nine targets per game. He's the fourth most targeted tight end through seven weeks. The Steelers have t- had, uh, excuse me, tight ends have been targeted 63 times versus the Steelers this year. That's second most in the league. They've allowed at least seven receptions to tight ends in four of seven games. So a good matchup. A player that has been hot lately has been getting used. It's a perfect marriage, and I think this is going to be a good game for David Njoku in a, in a game where... Look, the Browns have started to stumble lately. I think they'll be behind in this game. I think the Steelers have started to find kind of their groove. The one thing I do worry about is, you know, as a Steelers fan, I I think I have a little bit more insight to this, and I follow them more closely, but we know how bad they are coming out of a bye week. For whatever reason, Mike Tomlin can never get that team going after a bye week. Um, But I do think that, that, that still the Browns are going to be trailing in this game. They're going to need David Njoku. 
I think he has a good game. And then defense, I think this is kind of an easy one and maybe an obvious one, but it is the Bears, the Bears, at home versus the Jets in a game where rookie quarterback, the Bears' defense has played well all year. I know Khalil Mack is banged up right now, not playing at 100%, hasn't had a sack in the last two games, but I think that the Bears' defense comes up big in this game, forces three turnovers, and um, they're going to have their way with the Jets this week. My honorable mention is Philadelphia, who maybe maybe seems like another obvious one given the way that you know Blake Bortles has played right now and the Jags' offense has really struggled. But they've allowed uh, three passing touchdowns of Philly defense, that is, in the last three games combined. They've held running backs under 10 fantasy points in five of seven games. So the front seven has played extremely well. Now, they will miss Derek Barnett. He, he tore his rotator cuff. He is going to be out for the year. But they should get Haloti Nada back in this game. He's missed the last three games that will definitely help their front seven. And um, I really like the Philly defense in London this week. All right. Well, I think that's all we have for today. I'm recording this podcast on Saturday afternoon, early afternoon here on the East Coast. So going to release this. Um, maybe I'll try to squeeze in a last-minute start sit tomorrow morning. Um, but, uh, but yeah, enjoy the football this weekend, everybody for pad, the stats. I'm your host, James Swanson until next time. Uh, good luck to your fantasy teams and we'll talk to you later. Bye.